You seen how we did Seattle? Oh, we went mad. down one to three and then we hop back on that saddle. Everybody want T, but you can't have him cause we got it. A lethal nine on the side and he gon' always red dot him. 29 got him on lockdown. This Taylor Britt Island. You know Jamar probably open that boy 7-11. Who your best cornerback? Cause my receivers gon' shred it. And y'all don't wanna go one-on-one with lose playbook. 91 step on that field, them quarterbacks look shook. A couple weeks went by and we done stacked us up some wins. Craig Logan still with us, still the turnover twins. Who's the A man to man? You probably shouldn't throw it him. Orlando Brown came to Town showed us what a bodyguard is. I don't think they want no smoke with us. Forever standing on business, this ain't no joke for us. Money Mackie line it up, that boy forever clutch. Put up whoever you want, it's never slow for us. Ain't nothing changed, 21 still lurking in the cut. 83 reasons why they can't sh- with us. Nah. Zach Taylor, top dog, it's always win a bust. Hand the ball to Chase Brown, probably won't get touched. Won't get Chuck touched. sizzle back deep to receive the punt. Probably gonna run it back, I feel like he the one. Doing my shuffle on him still, I feel like Icky Woods. Whole line protecting Joe like a tiger should. Imagine having Trent Irwin as your fourth string. If BJ Hill hits you, you feel what that force brings. One, two, three, nah, we need four rings. This the jungle, you can't come in here and pull strings Look close, look how DJ read that offense Send Hubbard and Osai, yeah, we all in Nick Scott ball hawking over watching Dax Hill an interception that looks flawless It's really hard to lose when K. Adams rule for you If you need a couple yards, Herb gon' get it for you We got Tanner Hudson now, sample still too Yo, she gon' go get that ball just like a dog do Already knew they had to play us, but this part two I'm from the city where they got it I'm from the city where they gotta play us. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. It's time to pay up. Who they? Hey y'all, who they? What's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Ice Man, Jeff Trunapole. And as always, I bring you sports from a West Side point of view, right here from the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home! of the back-to-back AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm up to 2,444 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter X and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, I always ask the same question. Why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Like I said, we used to do Super Chats. I can't do Super Chats anymore. I got demonetized. Still working on trying to figure that out. But I am coming to you live from this glorious place down here. And it is the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. So if you're looking for a house, a condo, apartment, if you have a rental property you just don't want to manage anymore, give T-Properties a shot and they will take care of the rest. And you know it. I still say it. We hit the jackpot when we drafted Joe Burrow. If you want any of the jackpot Joey stuff, the hats, the flags, the shirts, and that stuff, go right there to jackpotjoey9.com. If you want any of the beer, it's delicious, award-winning. It is at Break Brewery. We might have hit the jackpot with Jackpot Jakey. I don't know. If he wins this week, you never know. There might be some Jackpot Jakey stuff coming out. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, remember, portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow 
foundation. So you're not only wearing cool stuff, drinking delicious award-winning beer, but you're helping people out. And that's what this is all about. Trying to help each other out. What's up to everybody in the chat? We got uh, Brad's in the first, Strangers in there, Kevin, Dustin's in there. What is going on? All right, guys. So we have a juggernaut. I mean, a juggernaut of a Thursday night game. We have the Squealers with Taberski. We have the New England Patriots with Zappy. I mean, it's going to be an unbelievable quarterback match matchup. I'm completely kidding. I'm so happy we got Jake Browning instead of either one of those guys. Because honestly, at this point, I really do think Jake Browning could take us to the playoffs. Can he win a playoff game? Can we go that far? I don't know. But if he come anywhere close to what he did Thursday night, we got a pretty good shot. Now, my guest today, Evan Phillips, he and his boy Malik Wright were down there at Jacksonville, hanging out in the four-star logistic condo, but they got to see Jackpot Browning firsthand. Let's go see what Evan has to say about how Thursday it was and what do you think about Jake. Evan, what up, brother? How we doing? Good, man. Good. You, you don't look like you got a, a tan, you know, from Jacksonville at all. No. Uh, you know, we stay busy working, you know, and uh, unfortunately uh, the TV was not outside. So, you know, I had a lot of football to watch, you know, man, it was conference championship weekend. My boys were out there taking care of Georgia. So, you know, I had to had to make sure I was watching the good football. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about Jake Browning here and this this game of now his first game. I don't I, I don't think he played awful. I don't think he played great, but I don't think he played awful. Now you go from that game. To what he did Thursday night, where he had one of the best games a quarterback could possibly have. I mean, he played almost perfect, to be honest. What is your thoughts of him moving forward? I, I, it's is it going to be closer to what we saw Thursday night, more of what we saw the first week, or is it be somewhere in the middle, or leaning? Which you know, where's your where's your where's your your button at? Which way he's going to be at here? Right. I think the the easy answer is somewhere in the middle, right? Because right, right. obviously that first game, his first start, and clearly running an offense that just does not fit at backup quarterback skill set or many quarterback skill set. And that's not even necessarily a knock on Browning. There's 20 other starting quarterbacks in the league that probably couldn't handle running the Burrow system very effectively anywhere near as well as Burrow does. Um, I think that was probably a lot of the frustration after the first week. And you heard it in the press conferences where, Jake Browning was saying, give me the reins. I know the Burrow offense. I can do this. And the coaching staff was like, yeah, 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 we believe in you. And everyone was kind of like, are you sure about this? And <laughs> right. It went about as well as everybody thought. And I think that was probably some some of the reasoning for the, the pessimism or just I, I would call it realism about, hey, like here are the – here's what the future looks like for the Bengals in the short term if they keep doing this offense. And sure enough, they pivoted to – Less of the less of the empty, stayed doing more of the gun runs, but using the run game, using more than just mixing in the run game. That right there, I thought was key. Chase Brown, I think, and, and I know Jake Brown had a great game. I really do think Chase Brown changing it up, being the change of pace back. I really do think that helped the, the running game out a lot more than he's actually getting credit for. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, like you saw the boots. The half field reads, the high low concepts where, hey, here's a guy running in the flat as a check down, but you have that read right in front of you and you have one guy behind him at near the sticks, whatever guy's open, throw it. And sometimes he had the stick throw, sometimes he just he made the right reads 
that's what we said we needed the quarterback to do, right? Not have the turnover-worthy plays, make the right reads, and he did that in spades, and he was very accurate. I, I want to make sure we we give him credit where he's due. Well, he was at, what, 80, what, 83, 85% completion rate, something like that? Yes, and obviously some of those were not necessarily – so, like, there's completing the pass and being accurate in that sense, but there's also being what we call, like, might call, like, accurate plus, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, you hit the the receiver on a drag route in front of them to where they can catch it in stride and keep running versus, like, you throw it behind them and sure they catch it, but, you know, then you slow them down. Slow down, right. Right. Um, so, obviously, there were a couple of those that Jamar made that. But, again, this is backup quarterback in his second start. I'm not trying to be too – I'm not trying to ask too much. I just I want to make sure we're painting an accurate picture of what happened mm-hmm. now that we've kind of all come down from from the the high of the win on Monday night. Right. Um, again, I, I want to make sure you know one big time throw, zero turnover worthy plays, two point three seconds average time to throw, which was first among quarterbacks. So protecting himself and the offense is protecting him uh, by having a quick time to throw. He's making he's being decisive. He feels more comfortable. That's all good. Um, when you look at just kind of the, uh, again, what they did on the offense that helped a lot is the play action we talked about, using those easy buttons. Right. Eight to 10 for 11.4 yards per attempt on those play action dropbacks. Six point, uh, 9.6 yards per attempt, which ranked fifth out of 29 quarterbacks in week 13. But when you look at his average depth of target, it was only 4.9, which was dead last among those 29 quarterbacks. So what that tells us is, there were a lot of yards gained after the point of where he was targeting it. So though the output was impressive, I don't want us to get too crazy with, Hey, he threw for, you know, 300 some odd uh, plus yards. And it was, you know, all crazy dots and dimes. I mean, there were good throws, um, but also the receivers averaged almost seven yards after the catch per reception Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. catch it at the line of scrimmage you're almost at the sticks already like that is something they have not gotten all year 229 total yards after the catch in the game so i want to make sure we're giving the receivers their credit as well for what they did and how they helped to prop up the offense on there it helps when you have t and jamar in a game at the same time (laughs) right and you had six players with 25 plus receiving yards so you have a bevy of weapons that's helping you out that makes it so hard to just lock in or guard one spot. And then you brought up Chase Brown, two 10-plus yard carries on only nine attempts, and he forced three missed tackles. Mixon getting involved as a receiver, which is what he does best. Six catches on seven targets with a nice one-handed grab. Um, the, these are all things that you can replicate. You can keep going forward. Uh, again, we don't expect to see the crazy out, elite output and f- almost 500 yards of offense each week. But I'll take it, I, though. I'm okay if it does it again. <laughs> right. But I, I think there is, like, cause for, like, though there are some fluky things there, like, you know, I I talked about the yards per attempt versus the, the target range. Um, you're, you're not going to get that much production after the catch all the time, but there are sustainable things if they keep up with this kind of offense for sure. I mean, it was just refreshing to to watch. And I, I, again, we we pounded it and pounded it and pounded it all year. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they, and they they give up on it too easy. I do admit, I do agree with that. But there's also been times where you know they don't get yardage. You know, you're only you're running the ball twice. You're getting you know one two yards or minus. That wasn't happening Thursday. And one thing with that, and I want to go back to to Chase Brown because I kept banging on the, on that drum all last week that we got to find out what we have with Chase Brown. We found out with Yoshi and all the other other guys. Now, Chase Brown 
had been injured up until you know the week before against the Steelers game, and he got zero touches, which I thought was surprising. So Zach made a conscious effort to he was the first one to get the ball. First running play was Chase Brown. But I think first two, I think, were Chase Brown. Either way, that right there, and and, and I keep saying this, it's the change of pace. You know, I mean, Charlie Chase Brown is younger, he's faster, he has more explosion than Mixon does right now. And you say it yourself, Mixon does a better job of catching the ball out of the backfield now. now. That right there, I really do think that kind of threw Jacksonville's defense off off a little bit because they weren't expecting Chase Brown. They didn't know what they had with them, you know. So, just just speaking on on, on the Chase Brown effect uh, that uh, that you saw personally there Thursday. I mean, they did a great job of getting him out in space on some of these toss runs. Um, taking advantage of the defensive line and their aggression. Uh, aggression. Um, we talked about it leading up to the game a lot, about how you were going to have to find ways to slow the pass rush, whether that was through play action, through a run game, uh, just different ways you could do that. If it's a running back or a tight end, just when they run the flat route, just slightly chipping the defensive end, taking away that outside, forcing them back inside a little bit, and just buying an extra half second to, you know, a, a second. Um, they did a great job of using these runs that attack the aggression of the ends, the the inside-out runs, the toss runs that got out in space and just let Chase Brown, who if there were concerns about him being a rookie and maybe having processing issues, okay, don't read the gaps at all. Here you go. We'll toss you out in space, and you just read here one or two, and then make yourself right. Play that space, use your feel, and try and get as much as you can out of it. Um, like you and many other people, we were all banging the drum, saying, first of all, like even if it's not Chase Brown, even if it's Chase, Travion Williams at this point, you can't be giving Mixon ninety-five percent of the carries. That's what I've been saying the whole time. Like he, they, they got to get some of the carries off Mixon. That's that's been my biggest thing because I think Mixon's going to wear down. I think he has started to a little bit and that's where that's where last year p ryan i think took a lot of load off mixing and that that helped a lot and we haven't had that this year right um i i do want to see still i i know joseph osai started to get some snaps and all eight of them finally uh, <laughs> oh yeah all eight of them but he was productive in that time got a sack got a pressure um Jordan Battle continues to stand out man five total tackles pass defense and a sack mm-hmm. um I, one thing, man, that uh, I was talking with Joe Goodberry about over the weekend was how many snaps do you think Charlie Jones has played on the season now? In four uh, games? He's been active for four games, I think. Not enough, because actually this this is funny. It goes to the question here Johnny Paps has. He said, we'll be seeing uh, Charlie Jones more in his offense uh, role, knowing that five wide receivers are healthy now. Tough, but yeah. Go, go ahead. Take, uh, take, a, take a guess, Jeff. Take a guess at what you think. Between special teams and offense. Oh. Uh, Four, how many? Four games? Yeah. Less than 10? Nine. All right. I was cl- I, hey, there yeah, you go. You're the closest of anybody I've talked to yet. Nine. Yeah. And that's just after we had him coming out in camp looking good. I know that he wasn't necessarily picking up on everything super fast, but you're telling me that you can't find a way to get the guy on the field. That's, yeah. Well, y- Yoshi, I think, has stepped up and taken some. I know it's, he's, sure. it's a different, he's slot. And he, he's been and, great. And he's been great on yeah. special teams, though. Yeah. So I, that's where I think a lot of that is. And Charlie Jones was injured with his thumb, so I think that's hampered him. I'm looking for like Pat Sears says. I'm looking for them to add, you know, him into this offense. That's right. just another wrinkle we have. So I mean, it is interesting. He's only only had nine snaps. I mean, 
Right. Yeah. I definitely want to see more of him. This is, you know, as much as we want to compete, um, win games and still try and make the playoffs, um, as that is still mathematically possible. There's non-zero chance. Um, you still want to evaluate this talent. You still want to get these guys going. You don't still find out. You still got to find out what you got with these guys. Right. That's 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 to me. That's still I agree. That's still a key to this season going forward. You have to find out what we have with these guys because going into the off season, and I've talked about this a lot. It's going to be a big off season. You got free agent DJ Reader, free agent General Williams, free agent T Higgins, right. free agent uh, Cheetah Cheetah Uche. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of big names that have been big keys to this to this uh this team in our, in our you know last two two runs here so right. we got to find out what they're going to do who they're going to sign uh, what they're going to draft all that stuff so that still has to be an evaluation which i mean they should do that anyway even if joe burrow was still playing you know but it's i think it's bigger now that joe's not playing yeah it's a little frustrating that it took uh god it's i obviously there's nuance to this conversation right because the coaching staff sees things that we don't and but sometimes, man, like when it, we've, I, I've told the story before about how we talked to someone from the coaching staff on the Bengals back in the day when Mixon first got drafted. And mm-hmm. he said the, the guy designing the offense at that time did not believe in throwing the ball to the running back. Like it was, like it was ghosts or something. <laughs> Didn't believe in it, right? Right, right. Sometimes we do give these coaches a little bit too much credit. They, they they know so much about football that maybe I so I myself sometimes can't see the forest through the trees, right? But sometimes the outside perspective is, you know, like we can't give 98% of the carries to Joe Mixon. This is a very simple observation, but it took 12 weeks to figure out, right? Um, yeah. Same thing for well, Nick that, That's the thing. It's like I've asked people that, and, and well, people ask me that. I'm like, well, Chase Brown was injured, but then I, I cut – Back that up with, well, yeah, Trevion Williams. You should have, you should have gave him some of the, some of the snaps too, and they didn't do it. Right, and then there's Nick Scott, where it's like, I, I don't want to bag on the guy, but at the same time, anybody with two eyes after five weeks was like, this, it's this guy was working. signed to be a veteran and a stabilizing force, and he can't line up in the right spot. <laughs> it's not working by like week seven and eight. So why is he out there? And if the complaint was again that Jordan Battle maybe wasn't lining up correctly, didn't know everything. Well, neither does Nick Scott. So why don't you play the guy who doesn't miss tackles? Because Jordan Battle has played for three weeks now, hasn't missed a tackle, but Nick Scott was one of the worst at it. So it's and like that that has been one of the biggest disappointments this year for me is 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 the defense, the missed tackles. You know, that has been huge this year. Now I'll get to to Dustin here. Uh, uh, Evan, this goes to what, what he, we were just talking about. He's asked this question. Yeah, Evan, not to look too far ahead, but the Bengals have a plan at looking on looking at the linebackers in the off seasons, or is a poor play by Pratt just a down season? Now, the funny thing is, I, I'll I, I always caveat to this because I go back to, to to me the best game the Bengals have played this year was the San Francisco 49ers game, one of the Sucky Niners, as I always call them, and Pratt and Logan Wilson had great games. Now they've went down from that from there, and I think a lot of it, for me, is miss tackles. They are missing too many guys are trying to go after the ball. And Pratt is has been very that's successful the at it. right there. Yeah, that's the problem. Is I feel like, and maybe this is a coaching thing where they've said, "Hey, we really want to be focused on turnovers" because they were obviously hawking the ball like crazy at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But we know those are not necessarily sustainable. And what happens when the turnovers dry up, right? Because you have to be consistent down to down and have the turnovers, not just we're going to be 
super high end turnovers. And if that doesn't happen, like shit, we'll get them next drive. Right. 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 Um, that is a problem we saw in the Texans game, right? The guy had already missed a field goal. It was his first time kicking in an NFL game. Mm-hmm. And instead of giving him like a 58 yarder that to try and win the game, give a chip shot. you try and rip the ball out when all you got to do is just tackle them short of the sticks in the middle of the field with the clock running. Mm-hmm. And they have to even try and get up clock and do all this other stuff. Yep. That's that's the stuff that you lose. That's obviously a big glaring mistake. That that has been, in my opinion, other than not being able, like the, the middle of the field has been way too open, way too often. That and missed freaking tackles. The yeah. missed tackles are driving me nuts. It's like I see him trying to rip the ball. It's like, all right, there's two guys there. One of you tackling. <laughs> you don't both need to be going after the ball. Right. And so that's the other part. And I, I want to be fair to them because obviously with a with a younger secondary behind you and the defensive line not being healthy and not playing up to standard either. Like obviously life is going to be a little bit harder on the, on the linebackers, but also, like we said, you, you can't be big play hunting and not have that down to doubt consistency, which has really been the problem. Right. I, I do think to answer the original question that it's just kind of a down year for them, that the stuff in front of them and the behind them is a little out of sync and the communications maybe not as good. Um, but also, as much as Vetter, uh, John, uh, Von Bell and Jesse Bates were kind of leaders in that secondary, okay, you guys both got contracts. You guys have both been here for four or five years now. You are now the veterans of the defense. You are yep. the heart and the captains of this defense. Mm-hmm. You have to step up. You can't. You can't let this stuff happen. Like right. you guys have to be that stabilizing force now. Um, so I do feel that there is a good degree of responsibility with them. Again, maybe that's some coaching with saying, hey, let's go hard at the turnovers. Let's play fast. Let's play loose. But it's got to be more consistent down to down for sure. The linebacker play has not been up to par. Both of the guys are in the bottom quartile of uh, linebackers in terms of PFF grade. Logan Wilson at 48. Jermaine Pratt at 56. That's out of 64 linebackers. Um, just not not a good down-to-down consistency year and not good tackling, like Jeff said. Yeah, that, that's been uh, – and to me, like I said, that has been the most disappointing thing this whole uh, – the most consistent disappointing thing. Because, I mean, even even Thursday night, it wasn't like we, we had a shutdown defense. It was basically whoever had the ball asking that they were going to, it was going to win the game. It's what, what happened, you know. Money Mac, uh, I know you, you love that nickname. I'm sorry, I call him Shooter. Shooter uh, made the uh, game-winning kick, so – you know, well, I, it, it is. I don't know how you f- fix it. And, and I'll tell you this: I had Chris Welch on uh, earlier this week, Reds broadcaster, and he said something that I thought resonated with this year's Bengals team. Mm-hmm. He talked to Lou Pinello, uh, the Reds manager who won the World Series in 1990, and 1991 was a terrible year for the Reds. And Chris asked Lou, "What would he have done different?" He said he would have turned the roster over a little bit more, and that was the one thing that. I'm, I'm putting my, my hand, I'm holding my hand up here too. That I thought was a good thing. It, it might be a good thing, but it hasn't turned out the way. They had the exact same roster and everything. To me, it almost felt like the farther we got into the season that the Bengals were just, I, kind of, just like, like, let's just hurry get to through the season. Let's get to the AFC Championship game. Let's get to where we were at before. You know, that's what it almost felt like, you know, that they already expected they were going to get there. And I didn't think the Bengals would do that, but. Going back and watching the games and watching what happened and how the season has unfolded again before Joe got hurt, that's just kind of how it seems like to me. It's like 
maybe next year there, there does need to be some kind of changes, which there's going to be because there's going to be some of these guys that are free agents. They're not going to be here next year. We're going to have different guys come in, maybe a couple of tweaks here and there to, to the coaching staff to, to just change the room, change the vibe, you know, get that hunger back. What do you think about that? I think you're right because um, I know Joe Goodberry's talked about uh, how a coaching staff and a quarterback, after they've been together for five years, if they haven't made it to the Super Bowl or haven't won one, then they generally don't. Um, That's, you know, obviously there's going to be something to buck that trend eventually. There's different extenuating circumstances, but there are for every team. Every team has dealt with that extenuating. I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they went – and went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I mean, they won against us, but before they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and then they had a couple of down years, and then they came back. So Right. Um, it's just – it speaks to the variance of the league. We know that there's generally three-year kind of windows when teams are built, and then they kind of crumble, and then they got to be built back up, like you said. Um, but, yeah, man, there's there's got to be some fresh ideas, right? Um, there, there's got to be some new juice injected into it. Um, if you just run it back – with the same coaching staff and everything is the exact same, or even if you get rid of somebody and you hire from within, you're not getting this outside perspective, right? The The beauty of having so many different perspectives is you kind of cover up for each other's flaws. Mm-hmm. You get new perspectives on things. You can get, when you can't see the forest through the trees and someone goes, Oh, why don't we just do this? And you're like, Oh my God, why didn't I think of that? Yes. Right. Right. Well, sometimes when you're in the trenches, you can't see. Right. Outside, yeah, and we see and that that, get, that goes for players too as well. I think that's why yeah. maybe a different. Which I know we had a couple new guys like Nick Scott, but that hasn't really worked, you know. Yeah, and when you look at like let's say just even draft success, right? When you put the best the best drafters, there's not. I'm sorry to say it. There's really when you statistically look at it over a long enough period of time, no one is really any one better drafter right. than the other. Maybe positions, but overall, it's it's, it's luck. You do the best you can, and it it's, it's a it's a, it's a crapshoot. But the most success you get is when you take everyone's opinions and you put them together into a consensus board, mm-hmm. and that's when you get the most accurate predictor of draft success. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with the coaching staff. If you want to be the best you can be, having those different perspectives and different backgrounds can lend you if, hey, we need to game plan for this opponent this week. Someone goes, oh, well, two years ago we played X team just like this. We can do this. Oh, okay, great. This worked for us when we played a team similar this year. Like, let's do that. Like. Mm-hmm. You, you see it a bunch of different uh, organizations constantly are hiring from within, hiring from outside their organization also to try and build in this medley of you, you want that continuity of, of the message and stuff that you want. But like you said, when it's been the same thing for years, when we've been sitting here, and I think Joe Burrow shares some blame for the shape of the offense as it stands right now. And, and sometimes this is just how it naturally developed, right? When you came in in the COVID offseason, you're just trying to make sure Joe Burrow's comfortable you build the boat out of whatever Joe Burrow wants, right? Right. And then I felt like that kind of stuck and stuck and stuck. And then eventually, like, the coaching staff does need to push back and be like, we want to do the things you like, but we also are going to put in, like, five play action dropbacks from under center. I know it's not your favorite, but it works, and it helps our offense be better. And I think Joe would be like, yeah, for sure. But that has to happen. And someone from outside the organization might be more willing as an offensive coordinator, what have you, to have that conversation or inject that idea, whereas everyone else might have gotten pretty comfortable with it and trust Joe, which is a good thing. But, like, mm-hmm. there's there's positives and negatives to that. And uh, I think we've seen that with some of the static feelings of the offense a little bit the last couple of years. 
some some fresh ideas would be really good and really beneficial. The same way film guys and analytics guys and, you know, news breaking guys can all get together and do a better show than just, you know, a bunch of news guys trying to be like, well, I think I can break down film or right, I think right. you know, salary cap, right? Hey, you, you just said, let, let's all get together. We'll have our own show. It'd be, it'd be great. There we go. <laughs> yeah, whole Bengals panel. <laughs> I, I like it. All right. So somebody, I, I don't remember who it is and I, I'm sorry to, I, Give you your the shot you out of here, but I can't remember. Uh, message me on I don't remember it was Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram. I don't remember, but they were talking about how on the RPO, Jake seemed like he would he would give the ball to the running back a little bit more than than Joe would. And I I came back with this is and this is kind of my thought and and Cap was on the same wavelength with me is Joe sitting and watching Jake run it and and run the offense and everything and run the ball a little more. I think it's going to give Joe a little bit more of a different perspective. Again, like you just said, he's not going to be in the trenches. He's going to get a different view of it next year. Cause, uh, cause I, 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 uh, preface this to Peyton Manning when he was younger, Peyton would throw the ball all the time. And you know, they, they, they kept telling him, run the ball. You got Edgar James, run the ball. The older he got, the more he ran the ball, more he, he mixed it up more. That's where I'm, I'm hoping with this, part where joe can watch sit back and watch that he can see i'm like all right you know because sometimes he's joe burrow you know i make all the money you know i need to make the throw i need to put the, the game on my shoulder and he's a superstar yeah, yeah i mean he is and so he he's thinks natural. that he can get more than what the run play would get right and i understand that confidence and i love it but to your credit i think it was like through a week five even with him being hurt and clearly hobbled they were still passing on light boxes when RPOs would dictate you should run the ball when right. walking up to the line with a run play call dictates you should run the ball and he would check out of it or he would throw the passing option. They were passing at a 70% rate. It was number one in the league, mm -hmm. which just shows like, Hey, this is not how it's supposed to be. Even the analytics guys who love passing the ball and say running the ball is not as valuable. will still tell you in that scenario, that's when you run the ball. And one of the thing is that that's what was tracks because everybody kept getting mad at, at Zach. You got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. But if it's an RPO, it's it's Joe. It's right. he's the one that's got the ball in his hand. He either gives it to the running back or he doesn't. So it, it that's where I kept going. It, it might be more on Joe of throwing it as too much. Now I'll get the T Brooks here, and I with this this is not what we were talking about. It's so early, too too basically too early to be talking about breaking the team and rebuilding. That is not what we were saying. We were not talking about think, breaking up the team. I think he's probably talking about the coaching staff a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I think I think that's uh, comparing it to the absolute. First of all, this coaching staff's been together, including Frank Pollock, for what three years now. Three years now. The, yep. the offensive defensive coordinator. Everybody else has been here for five. Five. Right? Yep, yep. Right. Yep. Five. So this is hardly the extreme of Carolina. Of we gave you nine weeks. We don't like what we see. <laughs> right. We yeah. fired you. Okay. So like. Yeah. Let's let's relax with that comparison a little yeah. bit. It's not. It's, what, I'm, if you've I'm, gone three years, at what point do you say maybe we should just get some fresh ideas, some fresh perspective? Not saying someone's been so bad that you should be fired, but just change it up. When when things have stagnated, sometimes you have to say, "Look, things are just not working out. We want to go a different direction." And it's it's like a breakup with a girlfriend when you guys want two different things, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're not wrong, I'm not wrong. Like we just we're we're growing apart. We need something different than what we needed when we started, right? And maybe that's Frank Pollock where you say, "Hey, originally we were going to be an under center wide zone team when we came in here. That's our background." 
but now we've gone more to a shotgun heavy gap scheme. And though you're a good offensive line coach and you've done well for us, we might want to go a different direction that plays to our strengths a little bit more. Um, and I, I hate to break it to you, but the way the contracts are structured, the team is going to break up. That's why yeah, we call it the that's, core. Right? That, that, yeah, that, and that's what I was more talking about is I just right off how many guys that are free agents. You know, they're not going to sign all of them. I mean, they just Tyler can't. Boyd's almost thirty. DJ yeah. Raiders thirty. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I still want to be expensive. Like, yeah. Cheeto is off injury and going to be going on his twenty-nine-year-old cornerback season. Like, there are going to be hard decisions to be made, especially when you're paying thirty-some odd million dollars, thirty-five-some odd million dollars to your defensive ends, and then mm -hmm. you want to pay another ten million dollars to your interior D line, but you got to pay Jamar Chase, and you're paying Joe Burrow, and you're paying Joe Mixon still, and like, I mean, I I would Ray love. Pratt. Yeah, I want. I would love to re-sign DJ. I'm kind of getting in my head that he might not be. The the two guys for me that I think are almost a must to re-sign. One of them I don't think is going to happen because of his agent. Is first of all Jonah Williams. I think, and you and me talk about him for the last I don't know three or four years. You've been on the show that we like Jonah Williams. I think Jonah Williams has proven he's a really good right tackle. I think that would help the offensive line in general. They had the same five guys come back ne next year, despite however you guys think this offensive line played. You know, last week they played really well. They have had games where they played well, but if you keep moving guys in and out of your offensive line, it's not going to help. So if you keep Jonah Williams back there, I think that's huge. And I, I would love to keep T, but dude, Evan, I, I just the I more know. I see, I think his his agent is not going to let him sign with the Bengals or not. His agent just wants to get him the free agency. Not that he doesn't want him to sign with the Bengals. He wants T to get the free agency. That's I his think, goal. Hot take. I think he may want the tag, and here's why. Because really? coming off of a depressed statistical season, right, right, playing with Jake Browning again, not trying to slide Jake Browning, right. but if you're telling me he can come back next year, play on the tag, and get a fully guaranteed deal that's 20-plus million dollars, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. he gets to play on and rehab his value with Joe Burrow with an improved offense, ideally, right? Yep. That helps his value and changes the, the math from him from, oh, I can make 22, 23, 24 a year to his agent can go to some team that has crazy cap dollars like the Bears or like they did with DJ Moore, right? And say, hey, mm -hmm. you guys desperately need a receiver. You've been looking for one for four years. Here's one right here. Sign him to a 28, $29 million deal. And I think it also behooves him to wait until guys like Michael Pittman sign mm -hmm. their deal because then he can go, I'm not part of that Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, uh, $25 million tier. Look right. at these recent receivers. I need more than them. I've outproduced Michael Pittman, blah, 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 right? right? So I think the tag works out for him, and I think it works out for the Bengals getting another year of T, um, not paying out the big guarantee. You can pay out the guarantee, but you don't have to put money in escrow that you can't touch for right. you know two three years whatever else right um so i think it's all good for them i don't think a trade happens though i think it probably should at that point because we know the bengals like to overvalue their players if someone wants to offer a second they're going to want a first and something's not going to get done so i think tag and play out the year is the most likely scenario for that's them. that's that's where I, I mean i would be Absolutely shocked if they don't tag him. I mean, they, you, they're not, and they're not going to do that. They're not, they're not because somebody I can't remember who was on the show. Well, that's an awful lot of money to pay for a wide receiver. I'm like, yeah, but it's better than letting him go and getting absolutely nothing for him, which is what would happen. So well, now the other thing is they love their third round comp picks, right? So if he gets that 25, 30 million dollar deal, that'll be a third round comp pick, and they'll say, hey, we got a year out of him, and we got a third rounder instead of 
Right. True. We could have gotten a second rounder from a bad team that I, I, maybe. I, I've in. said this. I, I'll ask you what would you what yeah. would you so just say they they tag and trade T. I said, I mean, I love to get a first rounder, but I said worst case will be a second and a fifth is where I, I would be. That to me, that'd be the least. I'll put the, that'd be the least. I'll put it not worst case, the least that I would take for him. Right. I, I definitely think it's second, and the tough part is because this is the Laramie Tunsil, Jamal Adams scenario that I hate. Mm-hmm. I I am a firm believer, unless it's a quarterback or a top five tackle, right? You do not trade multiple premium picks or premium picks for the right to sign a guy to a contract. See, that's they, the, I, I think you'd have to, to for that to happen. They would have to agree to a contract extension what, what you know T would have to agree to a contract extension with that team right and that's the that's the tough part um it's mm-hmm. if you're going to go ahead and give T Higgins 30 million dollars anyways or 28 million dollars anyways why not just wait until he hits free agency and give him that 28 million dollars especially if you're a team that's rebuilding and wants that pick or needs that pick you don't want to give up a first rounder for a guy who has no years left on his deal because it'll be the last year of his rookie deal. So uh, he definitely, the sooner they trade him, the more advantages will be because if he still has that rookie year, when he signs that new contract, they can push money into that rookie year cap hit to make it more palatable the rest of the way. So the, the clock is kind of ticking as soon as that tag happens. Um, I, we know the Bengals are not the quickest to the phone. They don't go calling people. People call them. Sometimes they answer. Sometimes they don't. Um, so we'll see, but I, I agree with your assessment on T. I, I definitely think that DJ reader, if I, I know defensive tackles who be get close to 30, start slowing down and breaking down. Um, he's still having a good year though. <laughs> that's the thing is he's still having a great year. He's mm-hmm. not showing those signs being a nose tackle. You're not as, it's not as important that you're twitched up and athletic. Um, and I, I think, yes, you can find his heir apparent. Probably in the middle rounds, you know, you can get a nose tackle and which the Bengals have done really good at that. I mean, right. And so I I don't want to say like it's a dire need. You definitely say three tech is more. If you're going to bring in a younger guy, I would Mm -hmm. love to pay DJ Reader and play there. And I think he also is the most likely out of him and Cheeto and T to be healthy and cheaper as well. Because I think Mm -hmm. Cheeto might look at Stefan Gilmore getting 10 million a year and say, hey, I played as a top ten or a top corner for two, three years. I got injured, but like Stephon Gilmore did too, and he's thirty. So like, well, I also think the draft of, of DJ Turner is that's the right on the wall for Cheeto. I thought, and, and the way he's played, yes, he's gotten burned, but he's he's played pretty good for his, his rookie. Yeah, year. and also when you think about Cheeto, he got drafted. He was not a hot name on the market when the Bengals yeah. got him. He's making right. seven million a year. He may be looking for that final payday and trying mm-hmm. to cash in, which I don't blame him whatsoever. But that may price him out of where the Bengals feel comfortable paying him with Cam Taylor Britt, with DJ Turner, and Mike Hilton still on the roster. All right, uh, I'll get the keys to your comment. He said, uh, "I agree with uh, trying to keep the O line together, with the exception of Volson." Drafted, draft the best uh, offensive guard available and sign the best offensive guard available in free agency. Um, I, 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 that's okay. over. I'll, I'll say, yeah, only going and getting two guards two, right now. Yeah, a veteran I, guard and then draft capital is it's a bit much. I'm always okay with drafting an offensive line, offensive lineman. I think you should draft an offensive lineman somewhere. You do not draft an offensive lineman in the first offensive guard in the first round. You don't. They they're they're second rounders. So 
that that is where yeah i agree with you uh, and but the volson hate drives me nuts i mean and i again dave latless forgot more about offensive line play than i'll ever know and he has said it and duke tobin has said it it takes three years to really evaluate what an offensive line how he, how he does so right. for me i don't think unless they get somebody awesome in the draft volson's not going anywhere he's gonna be your starting uh right guard uh excuse me left guard next year I, I, see, I see you, Keith. I, he says draft or side a guy. Um, yeah, no, I that that I can get on board with. If you want to bring in some cheap veteran competition, okay, um, guys. Um, I'm 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 going to give a reality check here real quick, okay? Because this is something we need to do with Bengals fans from time to time. Because I know we're all traumatized by the offensive line. I get it. I am too. If Cordell Volson is your worst offensive lineman, you are doing very well. You probably have a top 10 offensive line roster in the league. Every line has one or two and sometimes three Cordell Volsons. Um, He gets a lot of the attention, a lot of the pressure, a lot of the targets by other uh, defensive coordinators who are trying to get him with twists and stunts. They're, they're sending everything they can at him because you're not going to send that at Ted Karras and Alex Kappa and Orlando Brown. You're going to attack the fourth-round FCS guard who's in his second year. Um, so there's a little bit of like, like a corner giving up a lot of yards, but he has 70% of the targets coming his way, right? The teams keep picking on him, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're going to give up those opportunities if they keep coming at you. So there's a little bit of game planning there. Can you improve on the position? Absolutely. Um, but I've always said free agency is for needs. Drafting is for good players. So mm-hmm. if a good guard falls to you. Draft them. If the best guard in the in the entire draft uh, that's supposed to be a top 10 pick falls draft to you them. at the top of the second, mm-hmm. draft them. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yep. That's how the Bengals. Uh, they the don't need to reach for line. anybody. Yeah, don't reach for nothing. Still, no. They still don't need to reach for anything. They're still at that point with, with this team. Right. So whether that's tackle, retech, whatever it is, um, again, patch up with some spackle, the needs in free agency, and then go ahead and attack in the draft, especially since you got to get cheaper. Some of these premium positions, and sometimes you do have the nice melding of, of team need. You know, maybe you do get there and you say, hey, our best tackle and our best uh, three tech are on here. Sweet. Like we can go ahead and just take pick and choose whatever else we want to do. But you don't want to have another Billy Price situation where you say, we have to take the tackle. We're at pick 14. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Three tackles got picked in the top 10. we got to get the next guy because we didn't sign Jonah Williams. All right, here we go. We're going to take yep. this guy, and he's got to start. Yep. And it's the same thing you said where even if you do draft a guy, even if he is a high-drafted guy, usually you see, you have to wait two to three years before you – even Penny Sewell mm-hmm. played solid his rookie year, but is now three years later, one of the better pass protectors in the NFL. Um, It takes two to three years to get the technique caught up with other veteran defensive linemen who've been doing this for eight years now. And he played division two. I was like putting that out. Yeah. (laughs) That is a factor. That's, that's a factor. Uh, Your strength, your conditioning, getting all the functional strength up to where grown men who've been in weight programs for five, six, seven, eight years now, mm-hmm. the technique is higher. The level of strength and competition is higher. It, it takes time to adjust to that. And it takes time to get your body where it needs to be to compensate for that and your technical skills. So I, I'm not writing off Volson yet, um, but I, I completely understand wanting to improve the position. I would just reduce my expectations for any rookie coming yeah. in 
for two to three years in the offensive line, which is why I constantly say sign your offensive line, draft your running back, because yeah. I'd much rather pay $12 million to a quality guard that I know is going to be good right. than when I can just draft a couple of mid-round running backs and we see what happens with – that's why I think Joe, signing Joe Williams is, is huge. They, they they have to sign him. I, I'm just that's where I'm at. But I'll I'll get get this out here real quick. Yeah, get ready for him to be making 17 million dollars a year. I'm telling you right oh, now. Oh yeah, he will. He go along. I mean, because he can play left and right tackle now. He's proven it. So anyway, right. we, we we are number one on the on the Jonah Williams uh, 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 number one fan team here. But I'm gonna get this uh, Friday. Don't forget, I'll be at live doing a show live at Hell Marys and Shiviet. Uh, you guys get there. Hang out, drink some Jackpot Joey beer. You can enter the contest to win four Bengals Colts tickets. Also, you can enter to win that cool Jackpot Joey flag. That's in the background there. Again, this is at Hell Mary's in Shiviet. Show starts at 5.30. So it'll be uh, for me and ZTV. So you guys can actually be Joey Carr. He'll be actually he'll be actually running the show. So it'll be actually kind of nice. I can just sit there and I can be like Evan and Malik on the show. They can just sit there and back on your laptop and, and just talk. I don't have to sit there and keep reading comments and try to push buttons and all that stuff. So it'll be, it'll be like almost like an actual like legit guy for once. Man, it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> now, this is funny. My son Chandler here says, I have an announcement to make. I will be conducting the conducting the first slamming of a Henny and a Heine this season. Now, what a Henny and a Heine is, he is a drink that he made. You take a Heineken, you drink the neck out of it. You uh, fill that part up with Hennessy, and you down it. It's, it's, it's does not sound bad. like it's for me. I'm it's, glad you found something that you really enjoy. It's really not that bad. I didn't say I was going to do it. I've done it before. He's going to do it. <laughs> so be, well, I wish be, you the best of luck in uh, well, keeping you, that you, down. You are the king of shotgunning beers. Let's, let's put oh, no. I am, I am a participant in shotgunning beers. <laughs> I'm I'm a king of drinking whiskey doubles. Let's put it that way. I'll take there that crown. So let's just. I do want to find out about your trip here at, at, at down the, to Jacksonville. Um, how how was it? I mean, what, what did you guys get? Did you do anything cool other than go to the game? Did you go get oh, go man. to pregame stuff? Everything. What, what did you guys get to do there? Yeah. So man, it was obviously uh, we touched down there and beautiful beautiful beach house that they got there. Um, we got a lot of video content for you. you can check out my Twitter page you can check out our YouTube. And that's a lot of stuff on there. Um, Jim beam. It depends if I'm mixing with Coke, I usually try and stay with like the, the makers, the Jim beam, the wild Turkey. If I'm drinking straight, I'll usually try and do something a little bit nicer, like Woodford reserve, old forester, four roses, uh, stuff like that. So Evan is sophisticated. And, it's just sophisticated drunk, okay? <laughs> I, I usually am. The, if I'm drinking for for you know pleasure and leisure, then I'll do the straight. But if I'm you know drinking Ooh. to get drunk, then you know we'll be doing the whiskey coke. But uh, uh, apple beam guy. But no, we got to do a lot. Uh, we did some live streams for the Alabama game, just hanging out, talking about the game as it was going on. Um, did the same for the 49ers Eagles game, which was a good time. Just filmed a lot of content while we were out there. Threw some football on the beach. Got some good food. Got some fried gator and waffles, which was delicious. Great breakfast. Loved it. Hadn't had some gator in a while. But, yeah, we got to go to the game, man. We were down there at Bengal Jim's tailgate having a good time. Got to see some people from Cincinnati that I hadn't seen in a while um, from back in school days and parents of teammates and stuff like that. So that was cool. But uh, we got to go down on the field before the game, the Goodberries and I and Dave Burke, and we got to chop it up with Marcus Bailey because 
Dave Burke helped him find his way to Purdue. So he came over and was hanging out with us and talking a little bit. So that was a cool experience. And so just getting down there and obviously being at the game was awesome. And Jacksonville was really good to us. And all the fans were good. The experience was really cool walking in and seeing all the lights before uh, before the game was a really neat experience. It's, it looked like you guys had, had a lot of fun. I mean, it, it was it – I mean, especially at the outcome of the game. Now, I have a question because it looked like – uh, that there was a ton of Bengal fans there. It looked like because uh, they tried to do a blackout. I don't yeah. think that worked out too good for them. It did not, man. Uh, every time T caught a pass, it was just <laughs> the entire stadium was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny. I saw some people saying they could hear it through the TV. So Bengals fans definitely showed out and traveled, man. And you can get you you can sell a Cincinnati person on a trip to Florida in, in December or any oh, any yeah. day of the week. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's an easy sell. Oh yeah. So oh, that was one showed that was, out. Everybody was there for sure. That was one. That was one I wanted to go to, but I I, I didn't ha- have the funds this year to go. I went to Tampa last year. Oh and yeah. We took that stadium over. That was that was that was an absolute blast down there. Watching. I love uh, Jacksonville, but if I'm picking sides, I got family in Clearwater. I'm I'm I like Tampa a lot. I, I think. Uh, I love the trip. Thank you, First Star. Thank you, everybody. But uh, you know, Tampa next year could be cool if we, if we yeah. end up playing them somehow. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I got. Well, my wife's from down, from originally from down there, so her whole family's down there. So, so I had I had to take a victory lap when we, you know, beat the goat down there. It was pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yes, you're right, Keith. Uh, no, it's off subject, but the, what do you think of the Reds signing of? I can't even say his name. Um, I personally, I like it. Um, I think. They're either trading somebody because they got too many infielders, or and people are going to hate this, or uh, Ellie's going to the outfield. That's what I I've, I've been saying this for a while. I think Ellie Vinci is going to go to the outfield, but that's what I think. I mean, because this I'll put it this way: this is the way. If 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 they go with what they have right now, you got Marte at third, uh, Matty Bassett short, Indy at second, uh, the guy that is signed, which I can't say his name, first base, TJ Freed on left, Ellie in center, and Steer in right. I'd take that lineup. I think that'd be pretty good, but you know, everybody's like, "Well, you got two infielders there in the outfield." Well, you got two out. You got Steers are proven he can play the outfield. Ellie's a freaking uh, a, a unicorn. He's an elite athlete. He can play center field. I think he'll be fine. So, anyway, that's my that's my thoughts on uh, the Reds. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to trade Indy or not. I'll, 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 we'll talk some Reds uh, tomorrow. Let's get to your thoughts on the Bengals uh, Colts game here. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they have a very good shot of beating the Colts. And the funny thing is, when they beat the Colts, they will be mathematically in the playoffs. You know, because right now they're only, only one game out. Now that's just, you got more games to play and all that stuff. But the season are in after they beat them, they're in. Um, what's your thoughts on on the possibility of beating the Colts? I mean, the Colts, are, they're playing pretty good with, with, with Gunnar Minshew. I, I will say this. This, this is not going to be any pushover game whatsoever. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a game like we just had third, Monday night, to be honest. So I know that um, Gardner Minshew has been, you know, performed well coming in in the past. I think uh, a little bit of playing behind Blake Bortles and such will do that for you. Um, You become everybody's favorite. Um, And I know he's played well in spots. Uh, They are succeeding in spite of him this Mm -hmm. season. Um, That is is completely fair to say. So let's just look at the overall team, and then we'll get a little more into kind of player specifics. Um, Colts, in terms of EPA per play, they're 20th on offense in the league. Um, their drop back success is about 17th and their rush EPA is 22nd. 
Um, they've been they've been achieving their success rates in terms of getting the yardage they need, but they haven't been making huge strides on offense, making huge plays, flipping over to the defense. I think this is where the the, the tougher part is for the Colts. They've got some good young guys playing well. They've got a sound scheme where they try not to give up explosives. Um, I think that'll lend itself to a little bit of a weakness in the run game that can be exploited. But in terms of their defensive strength, they're 14th in EPA per play allowed, and they are ninth against uh, dropback EPA. So a top 10 passing defense in terms of EPA. Um, but in terms of rush EPA, they're 28th in the league. So I think part of that comes from playing that too high, playing that soft zone, trying to keep everything in front of you, and then rally and tackle, um, make things easier. Um, they're also uh, third. They're giving up the third most rushing touchdowns. Um, they, they, they can be exploited on the ground. So this new rushing attack that they have with Mixon and Chase Brown and kind of playing against this, there, there is going to be opportunity to take advantage of that. Um, so talking a little bit about Minshew before, I know I brought him up. I know if you look at just the counting stats, um, 10 touchdowns to only seven interceptions, seems like for a backup, you're doing okay. Uh, but when you look a little bit closer at it, he has 10 big time throws but 21 turnover worthy plays. So only seven of his 21 plays that could have been interception uh, have been intercepted. So that's just a lot of turnover luck there. Right. right. Um, and he also has eight fumbles. So, so there is a lot of opportunity here. Um, so by you're Burke. saying there's a chance, Evan, there's a chance. I, <laughs> their, their passing defense is really what you have to look out for. But if you can mm -hmm. find ways to be successful in the run game, stay ahead of schedule. I really think that there is opportunity. I, I don't want to slight Michael Pittman and what he's doing, because obviously with Gardner Minshew playing yeah. this bad, there's something propping up the offense and it's been him right. and Jonathan Taylor, who will not be playing this game Still with that loss. Mm -hmm. The the speedy running backs are what give our linebackers trouble, right? right, right. The, the, the outs to the flat, trying to cover the boundary with that and cover the whole field. Um, that's that's the weakness of the linebacking core, and I don't think Zach Moss is that, right? Um, I don't see a tight end on this team that is going to be that for them, so I don't anticipate that being a problem. I do like Josh Downs a lot. I know he's been dealing with some soft tissue injuries, but he's a rookie who's really been standing out. Um, but again, not much on this offense that you're scared of, so when you were right. able to kind of contain – I know he was dealing with injury, but Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk was out, but Evan Ingram kind of went and did his thing, which we would expect as kind of that faster weapon uh, attacking those linebackers and safeties. I do think there is plenty of opportunity for this defense to take advantage of Gardner Minshew, of some of these less efficient opportunities and drives and plays that the Colts have been putting out. As long as the offense can stay on schedule, I really think that this can end up being a, a Bengals win of three-plus points. It sounds good to me. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, and, and that's what is exciting about this. And that's what's so funny about <laughs> week to week. You know, last week we were talking draft picks. This week we're talking uh, potential playoffs and stuff. So, I, I said, I think it's a good matchup. I think if the Bengals run the ball and play like they did on Monday night, again, prefaces, I don't know if Jake Bryan's going to play as good as he did. I think he's going to play close to that. I think that's more of – what he is than what we saw against the Steelers. If they right. do that, they run the ball a lot. I think the uh, Bengals get, get that W, and we'll find out Sunday. Evan, you've been on for 55 minutes. Woo! I appreciate it, man. Tell everybody <laughs> where they can follow you. Find your podcast with 
uh, the sit down with Malik, what you got going on on Twitter, and anything else you want to plug before I let you go, brother. Right. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at emcphil, um, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, got a lot of stats out there that I just kind of find, little fun tidbits that I put out there and just kind of talk about Bengals narratives. Um, we got the State of the Jungle, where we talk about our, it's our live uh, Bengals show. Talking everything Bengals, answering questions, doing all that fun stuff. Uh, every Wednesday, 7 p.m., you can find that on the First Star Media YouTube channel or on the Sit Down YouTube channel at Sit Down 513. We've got the links in my profile and Malik Wright's profile. You can check us out there. We've got plenty of great content coming out every week. So hope you guys will uh, join us for that sometime soon. Exactly. I've uh, commented a couple of times on there. and I, We see I, you in there, Iceman. We see I, you. I always appreciate you guys always uh, shout me out, so I do appreciate it. I don't get to watch it every every Wednesday, but I, when, I, when, you get, when I see you guys on there, I try to comment and say, hey, I'm here. I'm watching. So, I appreciate anyway. it, man. We, we love everybody who tunes in, man. We couldn't do it without you guys. Exactly. That's that's the way I feel, dude. I do this every day. I can't do it without people watching. So, Evan, I appreciate you, dude. You've been on, I don't know how many times on here, but every time you, you, <laughs> you come on here, it's a blast. I love all, all the information you got. You guys do a great job over there with the first star logistics and the sit down and everything you guys got going on to keep rocking and uh we're gonna get that dub sunday yeah i appreciate it man take care everybody who day who day all right y'all <clears throat> i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did that was a good dude uh go follow him go find him uh why on um i'm sure if you're watching me you guys are already watching malik so <laughs> i don't know if i'm actually helping get any more subscribers to, to malik's show but go make sure you guys go check that out they're on every uh, Wednesday. Uh, Malik's always got the uh, right uh, sports network to get check that out as well. Um, so we got the garbage matchup of the uh, Thursday Night Football. I just made this that meme. I can't. I wish I could put it. I, I don't have it on on the uh, on my computer here, but I put it out there out of Twitter. But uh, that's kind of how I feel about tonight's matchup, quarterback matchup. If you can see it, uh, if you haven't found it, go follow, find me, find it. It's on, tw- on my Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, this matchup is garbage. <laughs> I might actually watch the NBA game tonight. I actually got the Pacers on right now. So Laura Steele, if you're watching, just so I do have the Pacers game on. It's right over there. I can, I've been watching it while I've been on the show. So uh, anyway, let's get to Facebook groups. Let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. They are Houday Nation, Houday Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then, of course, you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, and TikTok. Twitter X handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. Threads, Facebook, and Instagram are all all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'll be pulling a set off later later on tonight, putting on the podcast. It's on Beanpot, Apple, iTunes, Spotify. Google, Stitch Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a comment and a five-star review so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. It just helps the algorithm of the podcast. YouTubers, you're at 2,444. I know I'm demonetized, but please keep subscribing. Please keep hitting those thumbs up. I have I got 18 people watching right now. I had 22 at one point. I got two likes. Give me some more thumbs up uh, and uh, subscribe. Like I said, all that stuff just helps with the algorithm. Again, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe I'll just won't be making any money on this. I have no idea. But uh, I thank you guys for all your support and everything. Like I said, I couldn't do this without you guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, tomorrow, I guess, again, I'm going to plug this one more time. If you guys are in the city of Cincinnati on the west side, we will be at Hail Mary's and Shiviot live at 530 doing a live show. It'll be me, Joe Farsing, uh, Elliot from Chatterbark Sports. 
is supposed to join. I'm not sure how the link's going to work and everything. So maybe he'll be on. Maybe he won't. But we will be giving away four, four tickets to the Bengals-Colts game. The uh, winner will be announced at the end of the show. You can also enter to win a Jackpot Joey giveaway there. So make sure you guys are there. We're going to have a good time talking Bengals, drinking some delicious Jackpot Joey beer. Uh, Hell Mary's is a good spot to watch the game. They got a, a freaking wall of a TV. So we want that's, that's where we watched the uh, Thursday night game. Unfortunately, the night Joe got hurt. But still, you guys should still go there. Come there. Hang out with me uh, Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Other than that, you guys have a wonderful night. I'll see you tomorrow. Like I said, Hell Mary's. That's just sports, baby. See ya! Telling me room for the Lombardi. I trust 27 to lead us to any battle. We had DK out there press. You seen how we did Seattle? Went down one to three and then we hop back on that saddle. Everybody want T, but you can't have him because we got him. A lethal nine on the side and he gon' always red dot him. 29 got him on lockdown. This Taylor Britt Island. You know, Jamar probably open. That boy 7 left. Who your best cornerback? Because my receivers gon' shred him. And y'all don't want to go one on one with lose playbook. 91 step on that field and quarterbacks look shook. A couple weeks went by and we done stacked us up some wins. Still with us, still the turnover twin. Who's the A man the man? You probably shouldn't throw it him. Orlando Brown came to town, showed us what a bodyguard is. I don't think they want no smoke with us. Forever standing on business, this ain't no joke for us. Money Mackie line it up, that boy forever clutch. Put up whoever you want, it's never slow for us. Ain't nothing changed, 21 still lurking in the cut. 83 reasons why they can't with us. Zach Taylor, top dog, it's always win a bust. Hand the ball to Chase Brown, probably won't get touched. Chuck sizzle back deep to receive the punt. Probably gonna run it back, I feel like he the one. Do my shuffle on him still, I feel like Icky Woods. I'm protecting Joe like a tiger should. Imagine having Trent Irwin as your fourth string. If VJ Hill hit you, you feel what that force brings. One, two, three, nah, we need four rings. This the jungle, you can't come in here and pull strings Look close, look how DJ read that offense Send Hubbard and Osiah, we all in Nick Scott ball hawking over watching Dax Hill an interception that look flawless It's really hard to lose when K. Adams rooting for you If you need a couple yards, Herb gon' get it for you We got Tanner Hudson now, sample still too Yoshi gon' go get that ball just like a dog do Already knew they had to play us for this part two I'm from the city where they gotta I'm from the city where they gotta play us. It's time to pay up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. It's time to pay up. Hold on.